Thanks for listening to Worship Local. This is Frontier Church's podcast where we invite you into the story of the city's most joyful church in Des Moines, Iowa. I'm really excited for our church to listen to today's podcast because I've got in the room with us one of my best friends and a member at Frontier Church, Dirk Weiss. Dirk has had a special experience from a solitude retreat, and so naturally, to round out our conversation on solitude from last Sunday, I brought him onto the room. So we talk about solitude, what it is, what to expect, how he practices it, and as a result of today's podcast, we hope that this podcast helps you worship local. We love you, church, and let's get into this conversation. Hey, Frontier Church. Thanks for listening to Worship Local today. Uh, I am, quite frankly, psyched about today's podcast because I had to phone in some favors with some managers and pull some strings, but I happened to get the one and only Dirk Weiss on uh, on the show today. So, hi. Hey. Dirk Weiss. No. Weiss's pieces. <laughs> Some people are a workaholic. I'm a dirkaholic. I'm psyched to have you. I'm psyched to have you on the podcast today, man. Yeah, man, it's good. It's been a while. Yeah, I. Uh, you know, we've been we've been really, really, really close friends for a long time. So sometimes I make the mistake of thinking that everybody in Frontier Church is your best friend because, like, we have been for a while. But that's you know, you're still actually kind of sort of new to the life of Frontier Church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been here six months. Yeah. Six months now? Six. Yeah. So uh, for like people in our church who maybe don't know you guys as well as I do, say hi. Yeah, yeah. What's up? Who are you, man? Yeah, so I'm a born and raised Iowa boy. Mm-hmm. I grew up in uh, Tama Toledo, Iowa, kind of by Marshalltown. Like four, that's like a town of like 3,000, 4,000? 5,000. 5,000? to 5,000. Oh, big, big town. Okay. A big, big difference. Okay. Uh, yeah. I see you looking down on my hometown over there. Uh, Hampton was bigger. No, we're about 4,000. But you have 3,500. We do have a yeah, McDonald's. So yeah. We don't, yeah. Just Hardee's. Well, okay. Take some, you lose some. Yeah, you win uh, some, you lose some. Yeah, so <laughs> grew up there. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, I became a Christian when I was 20 and moved to Cedar Falls, mm-hmm. uh, for my junior year of college. So I went to you and I, uh, for one year and it was in that first year, kind of near the end of second semester, I think when we met. Yeah. Um, how did, how did we meet? Did we meet through college ministry yeah, through, or through basic, through okay. the college ministry up there? Okay. Um, uh, back when you had long hair. And oh, you knew me with long hair. Yeah, okay. The front row hopper, dancer, front, mover, shaker. Front row, bro. Yep. And uh, yeah, then let's see. I think it was a couple years. So I, yeah, so I did one year at UNI, uh, met some guys in the basic community. Turns out they were in a uh, metal band, Christian metal band, and they were mm. a bass player. So they asked me to join, and I said, yes. yes. So a past unknown. Yeah. Everybody, if you want to go YouTube or Spotify, it's getting uploaded to Spotify again. Oh, is it not on? It wasn't on for a few years. Oh, some, that's a some whole conversation. Around. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It'll be back up soon. Okay. okay. Yeah. YouTube cool. for sure. And yeah, so ended up dropping out of college, um, doing music, touring, recording, doing that for three years, and. Wrap that up at the end of 2013. Uh, the beginning of 2013, that's when um, we both uh, got connected at Redeemer, uh, Frontier yeah. Sending Church. And so um, we kind of went through you know, the leadership process together in different ways for those, those first couple years before you guys ended up moving and planting. And then I kept going. Yeah. Um, was Le- a worship leading. Leader. Yeah. yeah, worship leader, um, community group leader. Um, eventually on the pastoral team, um, yeah, was on the PT there for five years and yeah, near the end of 21, uh, I made the decision to transition out just some burnout, uh, eventually was revealed, but what I thought initially was just feeling a lot of pressure on being the lead guy when I wasn't the lead guy and just trying to figure out like, what would it look like for me to be in a ministry that would be a good fit for my giftings and um, yeah, just a, a lot of different things similar to that. And so 
Right. Yeah, being in a small church plant, um, I was the only full-time uh, staff who lived there. And so there's just a lot of things piled on yeah. that comes with it, um, intentional or not. And so um, I was just really feeling that. I was feeling the tension in marriage and family. And so um, I knew, like, man, if if I want myself and my family and all to be happy, like, man, there's got to be some sort of change. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I was sorted through that. And so then... Um, through, you know, the next handful of months, just a lot of hard decisions to make, um, including, you know, what we were going to do. And so I initially was looking at other ministry jobs and then, um, around May of 22, um, that really shifted. Right. Uh, and eventually it turned into coming here to Des Moines and not being in ministry yeah. and being a part of Frontier. So, Yeah. Yeah, I remember it's such an it's an interesting time for me to think back to when you were kind of in that in between phase because we were processing a lot of that together mm-hmm. and like I remember being in my backyard on the phone just kind of listening to you and I felt like there were a couple times where pretty clearly like it felt to me that the Lord was like he's coming to frontier He's a fit for frontier You just didn't but, want to say it Yeah, cuz I had to like distinguish like I I had to you know, distinguish what's best from you from what what I want in life, you know, because like, I, I love you. And mm-hmm. we, we, we shared a room together for like two years, right? Yep. Or year and a half. Yep. And so there's like this, this impulse of like, let's get them here. That's like, okay, let's put that to death and let's make sure that we don't manipulate and everything like that. But I just remember feeling like they're coming to Des Moines. <laughs> and so it's just been fun to like, I don't know, be close to you again and have you move back and you're in our community group and I get to see Emily on a weekly basis and I get to see our kids play together. So Mm -hmm. it's been very sweet for me, man. Yeah, yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, definitely the right decision. I think all things considered um, and unpacking everything from, you know, the last couple years and just seeing... Uh, the ways I need to grow and, and, and heal and rest, um, like this was like the the option that made the most sense, like logically, but also just got clearly at work guiding where we were going. The way that all the things unfolded, yeah. so like yeah. finding a job, selling our house, buying a house, like all of it happened so quickly and was right. it lined up just how we needed it. Now it was still stressful, but it it still lined up and came to fruition in a way that like was clearly Providence, not right. just man. Dirk really was making a lot of good phone calls. Like I found my job through one friend and I talked to my future boss once. Chase Abner, right? Yeah. Thanks Chase. If yeah. you're listening. Yeah. Oh, I've told him many times already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good, so, man. um, yeah, man. So it's been good. Uh, coming in and not having any expectation of me of like leadership in any kind of sphere that I walk into, which has been different right. um, from the like past eight years, nine years. So wow, it's pretty pretty wild. It's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. So we're in the middle of a sermon series on uh, on the spiritual practices, and last Sunday we talked about solitude and. I, I'm excited to get into this conversation about solitude because I personally think that given your experience, you have been to the bottom of the ocean and discovered some buried treasure that maybe some of us haven't. And so I'd love for you to give us give us some of your gold, particularly in relationship to solitude. Like mm. A big piece, I think, of how God spoke to you in that in-between season was your experience of taking like a, a couple-day solitude retreat. So I'm excited to get into that, and mm-hmm. I want you to share as much as you're comfortable uh, w- with sharing with our church. But before we do, we lived together for a couple years. We did. Do you have any— It was a great couple of years. Do you have like a story that stands out from that time? You don't, you don't have to. Any fun story or, you know. That's appropriate for the podcast. That's appropriate for the uh, <laughs> For men of the cloth. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there was some late night. We had a spur of the moment decision. Like, hey, let's go to Gold Falls, jump the fence, and hop in the pool. <laughs> like, yeah. middle of the night. 
um, it was an apartment com- complex like a mile away, and yeah, poor security and a pretty low right. fence, so it was pretty simple to hop it and jump in the pool for a bit <laughs> and then hurry back night. to the car and run back home. But I mean, we did uh, uh, a Christmas movie extravaganza in that house for a right. number of years. I mean, that's where you met Chloe. Yeah, was it at the duplex where you met her, or was it yeah. at the apartment? Uh, it was it was at the du- the dudeplex. So yeah, I mean technically we bumped into each other at Prairie Lakes Church like mm. six months earlier, <laughs> but that was just during the meet and greet time where yeah. I was sitting right behind her, and yeah. so yeah, we basically met you know at at the dudeplex. So sweet times. Yeah, the Christmas movie extravaganza that's notoriously famous for um, pairing future marriages together. <laughs> yeah, there's been there's been a lot of relationships that have come from uh, Christmas. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, um, Christmas movie extravaganza was the the four or no the six weeks between Thanksgiving break and Christmas break. No, four weeks. Yeah, yeah, three or four weeks. Three yeah. or four weeks, yeah. and twice a week we would host Christmas movie. We would have like it's just ridiculous. Like we, I mean, we would have like. 60, 70, 80, 90 people sometimes show up mm-hmm. to a little apartment room to watch a Christmas movie. Yep. And it wasn't about the Christmas movie. You just, you have to get that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about the Christmas. It was, that was all just a front. Yeah. I think we, we played Polar Express for four years and I don't think I've watched it once. <laughs> I didn't watch it until years later and then I totally understand the lifeless eyes of the people in that movie it's uh, gross anyway uh, yeah i mean like yeah. sitting in the 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 living room like rowboat style like everyone just kind of <laughs> leaning back on everyone else <laughs> right for a comfortable spot but yeah that's how you meet people yeah and 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 i did so yeah yeah that was good stuff yeah all right i guess i guess we should probably talk solitude yeah um, so I like, I spoke my piece, right? I preached for 40 minutes this last Sunday on solitude before we kind of jump into like your personal experiences with solitude. Well, like, what about you? Like, how would, how would you define solitude as a, as a believer? Yeah. I would say it's some sort of drawing away, um, you know, removing yourself from daily rhythms, daily interactions with with people, with work, yeah. and to essentially getting away with the Lord so that, you know, it doesn't have to be in a cabin. It could be in, in whatever area, um, inside, outside, doesn't matter, but withdrawing from your, your usual routine, your usual daily functions, um, unplugging from your, you know, your, yeah your, your stimuli, the, the phone, the, the podcast, the, um, the things outside of you, but also like the inside. So like unplugging from, you know, the racing thoughts of the agenda that you um, need to go through the day, the to-do list, the, right. the things, the projects you're working on, like unplugging from all of those things, which is really hard right. and getting into a, a place where you are praying, um, you know, you went through the the categories for that on Sunday, the, the praying, the meditation and, scripture the yeah just just sitting in silence um and that being a a way that that jesus forms you into more of himself yes to become more like him because he he demonstrated he lived that he he did those functions consistently throughout scripture you see those examples and so he says likewise like to make a disciple means to incorporate the things that jesus did which means all the things that Jesus did to do what Jesus did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like unplugging. I think that's a good description because like when you see Jesus practicing it in the gospels, like it's often accompanied by the word withdrew, you know, what you talked about, like Mm -hmm. he withdrew. It may like maybe a good 21st century translation of, of that would be, he unplugged and Mm -hmm. went to go meet with his father and in solitude. And there's like, that's, it's a, that's a strong practice of Jesus's, but like it's not actually isolated to just the Gospels. There's like a strong biblical legacy of solitude from beginning to end of the Scriptures. Like Habakkuk chapter 2, 
The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Zephaniah, be silent before the Lord God. Zechariah, be silent all flesh before the Lord. Psalm 62, for God alone my soul waits in silence. Lamentations 3, the the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Or my favorite, Psalm 131, I have calmed and quieted my soul. So like there's like a huge legacy in the scriptures of practicing solitude. Mm -hmm. Has this always been uh, a big part of your walk with Jesus? say no. I think, so I became a Christian at age 20 and having no church background. So I'm coming in, you know, very impressionable and just not knowing anything, you know. Yeah. And, it, and it took me even months after that just to consistently be in my Bible, just because I wasn't in um, the solid community. And then I think second semester that junior year when I was meeting you and, and the guys in our community, that that's when a lot of that was really becoming consistent and taking shape. So, I mean, I think from the beginning, it looked like, you know, the morning quiet time or whenever, um, I would just have a chance to just read my Bible. I, w- I would, yeah. I would have the, the quick ability to be alone, relatively quiet and just kind of soak. Um, so I'd say the meditation on scripture was pretty consistent, um, around the beginning of 2010 um, okay. for, years after that um yeah i'd say i definitely had rhythms of that um while before i was in ministry and then during ministry and then now like being out of it, it's like kind of reworking rhythms new rhythms into it that are just different like now on this side of being in ministry i have a wife and two kids and so trying to figure out what does that look like? And when I have to commute for my job as well, so that, that takes up more right. time. Yeah. So, man, how early do I have to wake up to do this? Or does that mean I have to wake up at 4 a.m.? Or does that mean it happens in other times? I, you know, some of that I'm still sorting out with what what's just even general habits look like to be to bear fruit. Gosh, I think yeah. that, that I think that's kind of fun though. Like I feel like we're gonna be wet cement until glory in terms mm-hmm. of like those types of things. Yeah, I mean, you might not feel it in the, in the moment. You kind of feel like rock hard concrete. Like, man, how yeah. do how do I do this? Like, when my kids need me, how do I do this? You know, when um, it's hard to get a quiet moment unless I wake up, you know, super early or or stay up really late. Like, yeah, I mean, those are questions to continually grapple through but um yeah i think like you said it is um good knowing like man we're just we are changing and and being and being changed about the lord so that even if in the moment it feels like man nothing is happening or like the reverse feel like i'm just going backwards here um but i think to always zoom out and see just what the the bigger picture is like the trajectory of of your life mm. like it's always an upward trajectory when you zoom out far enough like if you yeah if you're walking with jesus like it's yeah. always an upward trajectory um you can zoom in on the on the moment or the specific season it's like oh yeah that looks like a lot of loss right um, but zoom out like it's it's heading to glory so i don't think you can zoom out without solitude mm. right do you kind of feel the same way like i i can't just be like running from task to task and all of a sudden be hit with this panoramic vision of my life i feel like that's one of the things that requires solitude the ability to zoom out on your life yeah yeah definitely moments of pausing so i mean even the what was it the minute minute retreats minute retreats yeah I mean, yeah that, i love that that is like um I think maybe that puts language on some of my experience. I don't know how I would call it, but um, it's definitely like moments where I can like, oh, just breathe deep and just kind of take stock and like what God's doing and um, just like, again, unplug from whatever's happening in that day and say, oh man, I can, I feel like I'm seeing the bigger picture on what he's doing in my life right now. and. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I had experience with you know the the quiet times in the morning. Um, yeah. Yeah. The the minute retreats, which now I can call them that. Um, I'd say those those were. You know, those would happen in the car. Those would happen. I don't know, like even like mowing the lawn. When I, if I'm doing like a monotonous task, yeah, and I'm not, I don't have to be like super focused on like something. Like if I'm typing an email or something, like it's really hard to do that, like because you're focused on communicating with someone. Yeah, but doing something like that, and I, I for me that has been a, a great opportunity to to do that. It gives me. Time not not to just think about myself, but to think, like okay, like you know, Lord, what are you doing um, today? What are you What are right. you doing in my life in this season? And um, yeah, so those opportunities are there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I never really did the the big solitude retreats until um, last May. When I started my yes. sabbatical, so I did I did two months uh, sabbatical from May and June um, before I was transi- transitioning off staff. Um, so my employment was going to be done um, last day of June, and then July I needed to figure out something. And at that point, beginning of May, I didn't know. Yeah, and I think, dude, this is I think this is the red hot center of of the of the podcast. Because like, just to kind of like give a snapshot, I know you kind of went through this in your intro, but like to give a snapshot of where you're at, you're, you're on the tail end of eight years of pastoring, 10 years of staff, uh, nine years of church being, being active in a church plant, eight years staff, eight years, staff, five years pastoring. Okay. Eight, eight years staff, five years pastoring. Um, it's been the thing that you've known for the last five, eight, nine years, and you're looking to transition out. You've got a sabbatical, and you take uh, a solitude retreat. Mm-hmm. As much as you're comfortable with, with sharing, take us there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at that point, I was going into it. I was thinking, hey, like I'm going to stay in ministry. I just want a different ministry position with a different church. Right. And so I was really going on the retreat just to get clarity for that. Like, what what would that role look like? Maybe. Um, you know, I don't know anything related to that. And so, uh, I went to a, there's a pastoral or like a ministry retreat cabin at Pine Lake camps in Eldora, which they do up to three days, three nights free for, uh, ministry staff, volunteer or paid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome. It's quiet. It's secluded. You know, it's by a state park and, um, so I highly recommend it if you are. Oh, I need to do that. Yeah. That, so it's like 40 minutes from Cedar Falls. So it'd be like maybe an hour and a half from Des Moines. So it's a good distance. Like Lovely. just a good amount of distance. Um, so I went out there and so I was out there for two and a half days. Um, got there Monday morning. I had to go into town, get some groceries uh, for my time and then came back out and... And I was like, you know what? I'm going to nap. Because I got up early to get out there. I'm <laughs> like, you know what? I'm just going to nap. Like, I can. Yeah. Kids aren't here, you know? And so I, I did, man. I took Ooh. an awesome, awesome nap. The Lord gives to his beloved sleep. Yep. Yeah, I felt great. I took multiple naps throughout the, the I retreat. I bet you did. I did. It was great. Yeah, so I woke up from uh, that nap. I was just kind of laying there on the couch and... Um, just think like, man, I got this time. Like, all right, God, like, what are we going to do? And just kind of laying there and, uh, yeah. And depending on like who's listening to this and what their background is, like it may make sense, may not, but just laying there and like the Lord brought up like the theme of anxiety to me and like, okay, which you had expectations going in, and this wasn't part of them. No, the expectation was like, all right, Lord, I'm I'm getting away with you, and you know, having you show me, uh, man, just like what future ministry is going to look like, and you know, I was reading yeah. uh, uh, the pastor by or Eugene Peterson's memoir. <sighs> like, I was like, set up, so set up good. for success. Yeah, it is good. 
Uh, I still haven't finished. I have like a couple chapters left, but Dirk I read most of it on the retreat, and yeah. So I, yeah, God was bringing up this theme of anxiety, and so for me, like, I would never say that I had struggled with anxiety, um, because I would see like the 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 extreme versions of anxiety. Like I don't, you know, bite my fingernails. I don't lose sleep. I I can eat eat fine mm-hmm. um uh yeah i just didn't feel like i exhibited a lot of the symptoms of of any kind of anxiety you don't pick at your palms yeah yeah um but then pretty much from that um yeah god just brought up a memory from sixth grade it was uh christmas break and it was like the first time uh, that I actually experienced anxiety. And Sixth grade. I understood it as anxiety. And so it was like, I just had a family member die. And I was I was playing like N64. And Which game? Did, uh, what was I playing? Banjo-Tooie. <laughs> Banjo-Tooie. <laughs> and Sarge's Heroes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it was the first time I felt like the... The... Uh, the like the vanity of life huh. it's like just live and we die and here i am playing video games and like this is just all gonna end at some point and i didn't have like words to describe it so i, I told my mom like my stomach felt upset i didn't throw up or anything but i just felt like really uneasy yeah, yeah. and it was subarticulate as a sixth grader yeah, it's like, yeah. I have no idea how to frame this or what words to attach to it. Um, but really what happened from then was every year or less than, uh, I had a family member die. It's like sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth mm-hmm. grade. And, and then in early college too. So what it was... It was just like the death kept coming and just loss, loss, loss. And so one of which, you know, my dad died when I was a freshman in high school mm-hmm. uh, from cancer. Um, so like pretty sizable loss. And like I still had a few years in the home and like just that gap missing. Like there was no one who stepped in to um, be that figure for me. You know, my mom right. didn't remarry. Um yeah, I, ju- I just didn't have that. And so right. uh, I had my uh, friends, which is like one of the worst ideas. Like, look to your friends who are your age for your, you know the most influence. Well, um, uh, yeah. But what do you like, do? That's so na- right. That's yeah. so natural, man. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, throughout that as well, like middle school, high school, I mean, it, it was just like living through all the... Uh, the issues then that just dealing with um, in that age. So like, you know, pornography being a thing, you know, coming right. up in middle school, it's like everyone just started getting internet in their homes and, um, sure. and friends who are, you know, who are able to access the parents like liquor cabinets and, um, you know, friends who are able to get weed pretty easily. Uh, it was all just kind of adding up and um, getting into like trouble with the law, like later on in high school. And um, all these things were just, Adding up, matting up, and then, um, especially after high school, like freshman year, I was like just really, um, like just smoking myself stupid every day, yeah, um, for a long time, just coping, right, just coping with loss, not right, not knowing how to um, process grief, just kind of band aiding, yep, just escaping, yeah, um, and also like why I didn't have long term relationships, like with, with girlfriends, like most did not last long at all. And, uh, you know, it kept going. Like I worked at, uh, fairway for like mm, eight to nine years between, um, two stores, Toledo and Cedar Falls. And, you know, the work ethic there was if you're not moving, you're not working, which is terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Did they say that? Was that, or was that, I mean, you, you kind of picked up that value. That's what the assumption was because if you weren't moving, you, you know, you get (laughs) kind of ripped. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I mean, it's, that's a terrible worth it, work ethic to instill in a 16 year old. Right. And, you know, and that continued through my early 20s and that continued into ministry. And I mean, ministry work is so intangible. And if you're, you impute this, this work ethic, like you're going to be wrecked pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And that, that did happen. Um, I would kind of go through the cycle of like run, run, run wreck run 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 wreck and just like not figure out like what am i doing wrong why does this keep happening why am i so stressed at different times um yeah and so i mean we had that the challenge just as a church plant so um i don't think we ever really got past like 80 adults and because we would you know we sent out frontier Mm -hmm. and then uh we sent out um michael brother-in-law one of our best friends to denver Cap, Um, cap city church yeah and, you know, I was leading college ministry, so, like, every year, like, you would send out students to go move wherever. And so, there was always this revolving door. Right. And <laughs> and so, yeah. and also leading worship and, and doing all these things, but at the same time, like, feeling like you're never gaining ground. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I was, I was paid, like, I was, we were able to survive, but, you know, there's always that thought, like, when this, you know, person leaves, like, oh, man, like, am I going to have to, like, get another job, you know, which is really, um, difficult to sustain that way of thinking. Right. So kind of add that onto the list. So all these things like God was bringing up to me and I was just jotting all these down. Like this is me still sitting on the couch, jotting all this down and just keep, he keeps bringing up memories like in this linear chronological timeline of everything that was connected and and this is not you like these memories are coming to you apart from any effort whatsoever yeah 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 i'm right i write one down and then as soon as i'm done another one pops up yeah and like and yeah so it kept going uh then really like the uh 2021 which at that time was like just a really difficult year um so we had our our second judah um, who just was, it was really hard for him to sleep, um, for a while. And where Asha was like a great sleeper, um, mm-hmm. um, at three months, like he was just like really struggling to get into a rhythm. And so like, man, just more loss of sleep. It's just, it, it wears on you. But then there was other things. There was some, uh, what I'd say like spiritual warfare, um, during that year as well. That just, uh, yeah, it was just hard in some ways. Um, and then we had a lot of sickness. Man, we had like a solid month and a half of like RSV and bacterial infections. And man, it was just rough. Yeah. And um, there's some some tension too with, uh, yeah, like a particular member that just like really just, I think, caused a lot of anxiety in my heart. And so, man, just wrestling with all this and then, you know, there were other things going on with the church at the time, too. So that was just adding on to it. Right. Um, and then, man, I got to, like, the last thing on that list. And it was, like, almost in, like in an instant I saw, you know, I think it was, like, 21, 22 years of anxiety that I had never saw before. And I was just absolutely horrified. And, I mean, I just broke down. And I think most of that morning, yeah. I was just like in tears, just like falling apart. Like, what has my life been? And like, I am a wreck. Like, even when I first got saved, I knew like I was messed up and like I had issues. But then, but like, like, it, like in a theological way, you know, like yeah. I know everybody's a mess because like Romans, no one's good besides God. But yeah, like God was showing you in like a particular Dirk way. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was twenty, like I could name you the main broken ways and like you know sin i was struggling with but man 13 years in and now this is coming up like it it just it wrecked me in a very like specific deep way and so at that point man like i i went through that like there's this really strong urge like man i just want to go home and hug my kids and my wife like jeez i i don't want to be alone Right, because that, that right. there's the anxiety. It's like I I have to face it, and so so that first half of the retreat was really difficult. But I knew, like, I didn't go home. I I knew what I I was there. Like God was doing this, and He wasn't 
revealing it to me, bringing it up just so that I would suffer, right? The, this stuff was getting aired out and brought to the surface so that I could actually recover. Yeah. Pause real quick. Yeah. Cause I think it, <laughs> if people don't know that there's a, I think like a metaphysical shape to solitude, then at this point in the process, they'll quit. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I, so I've used this, I've used this analogy before with our church, but to me, times of solitude feels like thawing out the heart. It's like whenever, like as Iowans, when we go out and we play in the snow, right, our thumbs get numb or whatever, we come back in. And as soon as the the thumb starts to warm up and we start to thaw out our thumbs and, and regain our feeling, the first sensations of regaining feeling is pain. Mm. Like always, like your toes. Mm-hmm. Like it's always like five minutes of pain. Um, but only after regaining that sense of feeling and pushing through those five minutes of pain do the healthy feelings start to come in. I think solitude's a lot like that. When we thaw out our heart, I think it's really common for us to feel sensations of pain mm-hmm. long before we start to feel sensations of freedom and forgiveness and joy and peace. But I feel like they're always waiting for like, I feel like the metaphysical shape of solitude is that it promises death but delivers joy in the mm-hmm. same way that the metaphysical shape of sin is it promises joy, but delivers death. Mm-hmm. So I just want to point that out to people who practice solitude, that this is probably going to be your experience, but you didn't quit. No, even though you wanted to. Yeah. So keep yeah. going, keep telling. Yeah. Me. So I mean, through that, man, I just was going to keep praying. I uh, brought my guitar and, you know, uh, worship through song a little bit. Um, they had a bonfire um, pit with tons of wood. And so I sat out by the fire one night for like four hours and didn't say a thing. Oh. Just stared at the fire. It was great. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just like having some resolve of like, this sucks, but God's bringing me through it. Right. Yeah. And I, and I knew like, man, if I would have gone home, I wouldn't be able to heal. Like I need to finish my time. Right. So, yeah. Um, so what we did, like I, I came home from that and then, you know, Emily and I like swapped the kids. And so I stayed home with the kids for you know a couple of days while she went out and, you know, she did not have the same experience I had. And, and I tried not to like, uh, tell her everything that happened. Just like, all right, it's going to be rough for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No. She's just different. Man. Yeah. It was yeah. different. It was different. I think my story's distinct because it's, you know, me doing it um, at that particular time. Um, so let's see any like specifics like I was going through. Um, yeah, I had some reading I was doing. Um, I just, I lingered in a few texts like um, the tail end of Jude. Um, like the doxology? In, yeah, in Jude. yeah. Let me just, let me just pull it up. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling mm-hmm. that part. Yeah. Yep. Um, let me just pull the whole thing up just so I can see it. Hmm. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, I mean, so going back to verse 20, but you beloved building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Then now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so the, I mean, that, that was kind of the, inspiration or passage for uh he will hold me fast and i remember when we when we came to frontier in march of 21 and remember joseph had led that and i was like i I knew that song and i'm like oh this song is so good and so yeah and and i told him that i was like dude i told him that like in may i was like dude that that morning and you leading it was like very impactful now get this. I don't think you've told me that. That's cool. Yeah. Well, now get this. So, 
uh, this Sunday morning, like I woke up and I got some time to read and before the kids got up and that was the passage I was lingering in. Jude? Yeah, that same one I just read. And then go figure, Joseph leads that song again this Sunday. (laughs) And so like, it was just kind of full circle, like, like, (laughs) like just like the Lord meeting me and that. And, and, and honestly, like this last Sunday, I felt like. I don't know, like the most "quote unquote" normal Sunday I've I've felt yeah. in a long, 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 long time. Praise God! Yeah, and so it was. It was just like a kind of a sweet thing, like that God gave. Um, so kind of back to the solitude. You know, I had yeah. So I had some guidance material. Um, I I mean I brought my Bible and brought my notebook and I was journaling. I was just sitting and listening for time. Like I was never like playing music off my phone or a podcast or anything. It was just nothing. Um, you know, I took hikes in the state park. There were only like two trails. So I did both trails and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had to choose from. Conquered them. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, so a lot of times too, like I don't have my notebook with me, but, um, Typically, what I would do even before that, if I had like my mornings, and I, I did some, then was, you know, I would just ask God questions, and I would just kind of sit, and and linger, and, uh, yeah, just kind of wait on His response for it. So maybe it was a passage, maybe it was, uh, an actual phrase. Um, yeah. And and so I mean I'd say this too, like this has been a couple, few years of me, doing that. So it's like kind of getting understanding how God speaks to me specifically, like as you would as a, as an infant, like learning to hear their father, mother's voice. Yeah. Eventually you learn the tone, you learn the, the, the vernacular, and then you can actually be in two form words and have a dialogue. Um, but what was crazy is after like that solitude retreat, like, I mean, all the whirlwind of, of transition and change um, I kind of went into last night at community group was, um, it was it was like God became more silent, not more active, which was the opposite of what I wanted. Like, yeah, of going, course. Going through yeah. like the, the craziness of that solitude retreat and thinking like, all right, Lord, yeah, like, he will hold me fast. And then, you know, as like you know, saints for generations have called it, you know, the dark night of the soul, we're like... Right, the perceived presence of the Lord being like withdrawn, and it's a really difficult thing. And I, and I, honestly, I think that is what. And it, I mean, I think this is a totally different conversation, but I think this is what a lot of um, Christians will encounter in in their lifetime, and opt to deconstruct and leave the faith because they haven't been given the tools to understand it and work through it or to eat to even expect it. Yeah. It's like, man, I'm reading my Bible every day. I'm praying every day. Um, now guys just now there all out the window. Yeah. Like this isn't in the Bible. It's like, well, (laughs) well, actually, (laughs) actually, um, is very much so, um, both on the individual level, but also like, with the nation of Israel, you know, like if you go in between the old and new Testament, like how many hundred years is that? Like three, 400 years? Four. Yeah. Yeah. Like nothing. Right. And like, like the spirit of the living God departs from the temple. Yeah. You know, heartbreaking. Whoa. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I mean, pick your examples from, from scripture, like saints who have experienced that. And then even into like church history that, uh, like uh, was it um, John of the Cross and uh, Saint Teresa? Not, um, well, Mother Teresa also experienced darkness of the soul for like it's like the last several decades of her life. I'm not, hmm. I did learn about that in the last year that her, you know doing so much service and, and blessing people, but like most of her life last or the last big chunk of her life was in the dark night of the soul. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. 
but yeah, St. Teresa, she's, she was around the same time as John of the Cross and they have a lot of work on that. Like I would love to dig into, but so anyways, just kind of bringing it back. Um, I feel like I'm in a spot now where I'm like getting back to a place of life and hearing again. So, I mean, what was that? July, August. Like eight-ish months of pretty heavy yeah. absence. Um, and what I, you know, I've told people before is like, what else was I going to do? Like just walk away? No, I know the world's got nothing for me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, where where could I go? Where could I flee from your presence? Even though I don't feel it, like I can't get away. And so, uh, all that to say is, solitude is something I'm not afraid of. It's something I still want more of. Mm-hmm. Which is like, you know, kind of crazy to say. Like, man, you had that experience, and like it was awful. Like, why would you want to keep doing that? I'm like, because I know, like, what happened through that that back in May was revealing of what needed to be healed. And that wouldn't have surfaced if I didn't do it. Yeah. Which would mean I would still be hunting for a minister job and going back into ministry with a deep brokenness that was not being dealt with that would soon implode as a matter of when, not if. Right. Um, And the repercussions into another church community and my marriage and my family, like, God was sparing me yeah. from a lot, a lot of pain. Um, so, man, I want more. Yeah, solitude. I don't. I don't want more dark night of the soul. I want more. Um, I want more solitude. Do do you uh, me in that? Do you? And I know you don't know the answer to this question, right? This I'm asking a question to which there are no answers here. Um, I'm, I'm asking you to guess. Do you think that one of the... Re- so I'm a big... Like if you've been a part of Frontier, you've heard me say this a lot, but I'm a big believer that our, our, our greatest gifts that we have to give to the world often come from our deepest wounds. I root that exactly in the, in, in the cross of Christ and mm-hmm. the spear being jabbed into Jesus' side, pulled out, and then blood and water, the blood that covers us and the water that cleanses us, comes out of Jesus' deepest wound. So I'm a big believer that God uses our deepest wounds in order to give our greatest gifts to the world. Do you think that one of the reasons why God led you through the dark night. Are you comfortable with me saying that? God led you through the dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. He did that. Mm -hmm. Do you think one of the reasons he did that to you was so that you would help others who encountered that? I mean, we got a young church. Mm -hmm. So in 5, 10, 15 years, we're going to have a lot of people in our church going through the dark night of the soul. Is your hunch that maybe God did that to you so that you would have a, a gift to give them? Based on the amount of people who have told me that, uh, I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> okay, so I'm not yeah. the first to no, ask. Okay. I, I've had multiple yeah. people say that. I'm like, well, I guess that means the <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, even before that, like I knew, I had, you know, pretty confident believer that whatever the, the greatest pain point in your life, whatever the, or, you know, the greatest sin struggle, those, those are going to be the, the thing, the main ways which you minister to people. You know, like I lost my dad when I was 14, um, helping people through loss. Right. And I knew it was going to be part of my ministry in some and, way, shape or form. And for, for a young man, I think that you have disproportionately been a father in the faith to others mm. for a young man. I think that's rare, but I think that's maybe you've been kind of a spiritual father figure. I know to a lot of people in Cedar Falls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the wounded healer is, is like a term I've, I've, uh, encountered a lot, kind of what the, the journey of, of faith is. Um, I think some helpful like resources, like we've been talking about, like with Pete Scazzaro and, uh, um, I can't remember their first names, but the Galtiers, um, kind of have mapped out like the basic, journey of what it, uh, the journey of walking with Christ through all the stages of life. 
So not just, I'm saved, now I'm just going to read my Bible and go to a church. Um, it's a lot more comprehensive than that. And yeah, uh, man, that, again, that's its own conversation, which is really, sure. It's really sweet. But to, but for the, the two versions of that journey I've read, like smack dab in the middle is the wall in, you know, the big pain point, the big struggle or the dark night. And they use that kind of as a technical term, right? Yeah. The wall. Mm-hmm. All Christians hit it. You will hit the wall at some point. Okay. Um, and then, you know, based on what you do when you hit the wall determines what's next. You know, either you go back to what you're familiar with, like, well, I'm just going to kind of be a cultural nominal Christian or I'm going to just not do it anymore. Um, or I'm going to press through and see what's on the other side to like, Right. Just deeper ministry with Jesus, um, experiencing some of that deeper healing and kind of the, the, the end of that really is like the wounded healer, um, being able to mentor people who are coming through that and right. need that, you know, like, um, that's really essential. So when, like, when we're talking about solitude, like, yeah, I think we need to glean from people who, um, you know, make that a regular habit. I mean, I'm no way an expert. Um, I did one big getaway and it was crazy, you know, like I'm, <laughs> yeah, not, I'm yeah, not this, sure. this, uh, so, solitude guru. Yeah. Um, I think there's some key things to do. I think go in it with a kind of a, somewhat of a plan have like, Hey, uh, maybe good to camp out in. What did I say last night? It'd be good to camp out maybe in John 14 through 17. If you have yeah. nothing else, no other ideas, like, you know, camp out there and just sit in it. Um, but I think you'd also kind of add to that, like, come in with a plan, but hold it loosely. Hold well, it loosely. Because, yeah. like, that was your experience. You came in with expectations of, like, okay, God's going to tell me what my next ministry position is or what I need to learn to, to remain in ministry. Mm-hmm. And the Lord was like, okay, boom. Not what you want, but it's what you need. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, like I said, I brought my guitar. I played for maybe 30 minutes in two and a half days. So, it's like, I, I brought things to prepare myself, you know, something I might do, but a lot of stuff I didn't do. Um, yeah. It's okay, like, because then that kind of defeats the purpose of solitude. If you're just bringing a bunch of stuff, like, man, I can get all this stuff done. It's like, no, that's how you've been living. Uh, you need to detach from that. So, so like I said, man, sitting in, at a, in front of a fire for four hours was great. Well, dude, thanks for, we've had a couple technical difficulties, so if there's a little bit of a lull in the podcast right there, that's on me. <laughs> so, dude, thanks for thanks for bearing with that stuff today. It's been, thanks so much for letting us into your heart and for sharing that experience with us, man. That means the world to me. Yeah, thanks for having me. It means the world to me. Um, here's here's what I would love to do. We're, we've been talking a while now. Our podcast is coming up on an hour Let's just play a quick game of true and false. True or false. We're going we're gonna to end the podcast with a quick game of true or false. I, here are three quotes from uh, historical Christian theologians on solitude. I'm going to read these quotes, and I want to know what you think, true or false. Sound good? I'll participate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. We're going to start with the John Owen quote. Owen said, these are not my words. This is John Owen. If you don't like it, take it up with John. Okay. He said, quote, what we are in solitude, that is what we truly are, no more and no less. What do you think? Mm. True or false? True. And why? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I was going to say that's like the true, like naked and afraid. We're just like laid bare. Ah. No masks, no hiding. Yeah. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That who we are outside of solitude is mostly just, you know, projections and us projecting and acting and performing. But the human that we are in solitude, that is who we truly are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. All right, here's Blaise Pascal. Pascal said, quote, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability 
to sit quietly in a room alone. True or false? All the problems? All of humanity's problems, is what uh, Pascal said. <laughs> oh, I'd probably say false. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great quote, though, right? There's part of it, I'm like, well, yeah, but then, yeah. I'd lean towards false on that one. Yeah, it's a little overstated. If only. <laughs> there, there are a lot of problems, though, that do stem from people who are unable to sit alone quietly in a room, though. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, people who aren't unable to... People who are una- unable to practice solitude are, are generally people who are not fluent and are inarticulate about the war that's going on in their heart. And if they're not captivated by the war that's going on in their heart, they're going to be captivated by what they don't like about other people and what's going on in culture. And he, he said, she said, this sort of stuff. I find that people who are really articulate in gossip are generally people who are really inarticulate with what's going on in their hearts. Mm. So if we can't occupy our attention on what's going on inside of us, we're going to spend most of our attention on pointing out what's wrong with other people. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think there's wisdom in that quote, even yeah. if it's a little bit of an overstatement. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. Here's Henry Newen. This is our last one. Newen said, quote, Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. True or false? <laughs> Mm. true in the sense of full potential yeah yeah i feel like if you don't it would be equivalent of like spiritual training wheels you know on the bike you're not really got the full function of riding a bike down if you're not right jumping into that if that's not a regular part yeah, I, I like what you're saying there. Let, let me say something that might hurt some people's feelings. <laughs> I, I find that some of the people who scoff most at solitude are the people who would benefit most from it. Because mm. I, I do think it's generally a reflection and sign of uh, spiritual immaturity to think that the only way to transform further into Christ-likeness is to acquire more information. Yeah, yeah. Right? Would you say that's a mark of immaturity? I would say so, yeah. I mean, the knowledge is good. It's Um, wonderful. I love it. I love reading books. But without, like, holistic change and formation for for you, the individual, um, you just have a couple tools to deal with all problems you know what i mean yes um, that's right like it, if you want to make an analogy it's just great now you have a hammer and a slotted screwdriver to address all problems like that's gonna wreck people um you won't be able to minister as effectively with just some of that um right. it'll help some people it'll help some situations but man, when you get into like the really deep hurt and pain and walking people through tough times, like you need to be holistically formed in in the way of Jesus um, to imitate His presence. Yeah, you know, no, right. How I say that, like, no, I think you're how right. you, I think you're right. How you embody the fruit of the Spirit, and you know, like in in the in the setting where someone dies. Um, I'd say 99% of the time the people don't need you coming in there and like just quoting scripture right off the bat. Like you just need to sit. Right. If you know how to sit well and be with people who are suffering, like that comes from and is fruit of getting away with Jesus and being in solitude. I think that's where that um, is formed, where that can grow. Um yeah, because if you're just, if it's just a, a knowledge acquisition, um, yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean it turns into wisdom. I yeah, I think it's the fruit. It, this is exactly what I think you're saying. I think it's the fruit of discipleship that happens within the nervous system. You know, like 
when somebody wounds you with criticism, what, what you need is not often new information to quote at them. You need a level of spiritual maturity that's been formed in you by Jesus Christ at your gut level of, of your nervous system. So mm-hmm. that when somebody wounds you like that, you don't lash out. But instead, you lean in and you say, you might be right. Where else have you seen that? In my-? Like that's, that's a level of Christ-likeness that doesn't come from just memorizing the Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin. That, that's, the t- that's a type of maturity that only happens that's formed in the furnace of solitude, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, I'm good. You got anything else you need to say on no, solitude? I think that's good. It will suffice for now. Bro, thanks for, thanks for doing that. Did you yeah. have fun on the podcast? I, I did. It was fun, it, wasn't it? Was, it? it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun. <laughs> All right. Love you, man. Hey, church, we we love you. Thank you for giving us an hour of your time to talk more about solitude. Um, If you need more clarity, if you need more pastoring, shepherding on any of these issues, you know that I would love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. And I bet Dirk wouldn't say no to that too. So I'm open to that. Love you, church.